Yes, welcome to Back in Time Brothers podcast right here. I am DJ Paul, and as always, I have my brother Lou with me, and we have a special guest in the house. Not even a special guest anymore. He is a regular. I know. Why do I keep saying special guest? I should just say, and we have (laughs) him with us, because ladies and gentlemen, once again, we have Pat Job in the house. Hey, hey, hey. Pat, you're here for a special edition. Excited about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be great that we're going to be Warriors. we're going to be talking about it's such a great movie. We're going to be talking about three men and a baby. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about the Warriors, <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh man, I, I love that open. I mean, we um, we love this movie. It's a cult classic. We couldn't wait to start to work on this show. We got really excited about it, and when you hear that opening, it just gets you pumped. Oh, it made it great. Oh man! I'm what made it you. great is that out of out of nine members, three of us got to go tonight. Not nine, hey. but three of us. So we are representing <laughs> the Back in Time Brothers crew, and we're going to be going to the park and find out what's going on. All right, sounds good. So Pat, what do you think? What do you think, Warriors, man? Wow! I tell you, I mean that that intro was amazing. I got the hair standing straight up on my neck right now. <laughs> You know, it kind of reminds me of going back to watching that movie. I, I don't know about you guys, but when that soundtrack came out, you heard the Warriors theme song, you know, to that soundtrack. I mean, that just got me pumped up. And I still feel like I did when I was a kid watching you it. You know, it, it's funny you mention that. And I, and I want to kind of um, mention this to, um, to, the, to the audience because there's somebody that we went to school with 
that played sports with you, and I think I mentioned this to you, that um, you guys used to play this song in the locker room. And he brought it to my attention, and he was excited that we are going to do the Warrior Show, and his name is Paul. And, um, you know, uh, we're, we're going to, um, you know, kind of celebrate this movie and uh, bring up some really good memories, and uh, I know he's excited about it. Right on, right. yeah. Yeah, I remember. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. You know, I, just, I just watched the movie again the other night, and I know you did too, bro. Yep. And, you know, and it's just, I watched it again for like, you know, the, the hundredth time, whatever, however many times I've seen it. And it's like the first time I saw it all over again, man. It's just a movie when you watch it, it just, it's like, okay, I didn't see it 99 times before. This is the first time I'm watching it and you get excited watching it, you know, it's just one of those movies. And I'm so glad we're going to dig deep into this because, um, you know, I have kind of a, a theory about the movie and I think we all kind of do. And now we're going to talk about those, I hope. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to where it's going to go. So bro, I'm going to pass it to you and take us away. All right, so this movie set um, in the late 70s in New York City. And you and I, even though we were living in North Dakota in the late 70s, we knew New York very well, uh, and we moved back there you know, in, in 84. But at that time, New York was a cesspool. And you remember in 77 when The Son of Sam was happening, and oh, yeah. there was gangs, murders. It was really awful, and, they, and it took a while for them to clean that up. It did. It was terrible. I mean, it was, it was very unsafe to be in New York. Um, you know, there was crime and murder and, um, you know, just uh, the, the mafia, the gangs. It was, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So this movie really, um, I think s does a great job of portraying the times and it really sets the mood so well. So what I loved about watching the movie again was, my gosh, it holds up. I mean, you just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel dated. It, it's just, they, they really captured that era so well. And I can't believe how really well acted and um, what a great story it is. I mean, it's a really good film. It really is. Yeah. I agree. All right. So let's go ahead and kind of kick this thing off. So this movie begins with the Warriors essentially talking about this big conclave that's going to happen, this big meeting. Of all the gangs. Now, what's interesting about the movie is, and, and, and this clip I'm going to play, you, you don't know a lot of back history of the Warriors when you start out this movie. But there's a deleted scene that I want to play that um, was the original open to the movie that wasn't used. And I think you guys will enjoy this because I don't think you've, seen, you've heard this. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and, and start this off. So this is really Cleon, who's the leader of the Warriors, talking to the group before the, um, or talking about the, uh, the actual uh, meeting. I know a lot of you aren't too happy about going out on patrol. Just remember this. Out of a street family of 120 plus affiliates, you were chosen for this expedition. And that makes you special. Now here's the lineup. Swan, second in command, war chief. Stay by me. Snowball, you're the music man. Cowboy, soldier the middle. Furman, you're the bear. Carry the tokens and the bread. Rembrandt, got the stuff? Now I want you to hit everything in the city. I want the people to know that the warriors were there. They'll just slow us down. Ajax, you just soldier and try and keep your mouth shut. 
Fox, scout and memory man. Run ahead and tell us all we need to know. Cochise, Ajax, soldier the middle, heavy muscle. Now just remember this, there's a truce on, so don't go flexing any muscle unless I give the order. Okay? Let's roll. So what's interesting about that whole thing is it's the first time you really get to see why, why he selected them, what were their skills, you know, and they, d- they deleted that scene and then they reshot the little snippets where you see Cleon talking to them individually and, uh, you know, the members kind of reacting and so on. So um, I thought that's a great scene. And it really sets up because we never get a sense that the warriors are more than these nine guys. And you right. hear that there's 120. Yeah, that is good because that's something we always talked about. Like, you know, how come these nine guys, there's no one else coming out to help them and things like this? It was only nine of them. But now we know that there were obviously more plus, you know, affiliates and any other allies they may have as well, you know, to help them as well. So, um, yeah, I like it. And, you know, I, I, I love, you know, already you already know that Ajax is, you know, he's the loose cannon. They're already, you know, you yes. stay calm, calm down, you know, keep your mouth shut. And we hear that quite a bit uh, through the movie uh, with uh, with Cleon and also with Swan. So. It's cool. Yeah. Pretty pretty much every movie James Remar's in, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's such a, yeah, and he's such a great character. Yeah, um so all right. So now let's let's set up so we, you know, we talked about them pulling together the nine. And so those were the rules that were set up by Cyrus. Mm-hmm. And Cyrus is the leader of the Gramercy Rifts. This is the biggest gang the most organized gang, and they've kind of come up with this idea. And so they want to get all the gangs together. And the idea is to send nine delegates, no weapons, a truce the whole time to go to this meeting. And so that sets up the beginning of the movie where you see all these gangs making their way to Van Cortland Park for the big meeting. Right. Correct. Anything you guys want to add to that? No, I think, I mean, I think that's just really just a, that's a key point. You know, you, you see all these different gangs and they're, they got their own nine members. That's it. No more, no less. That's how it's going to have to be. Equal amount, equal numbers. It's just kind of a, kind of a cool thing to have everyone coming, you know, not packed with anything, no weapons and, you know, come to this big meeting in peace, you know, is what it is. So, um, that's, that's the setup, which I like. Yeah. 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 And I, I didn't have any idea that. There was only nine delegates from each gang allowed yeah. there, you know, before before diving into doing some research. So that was something that was new to me. Yeah, yeah so it, it's kind of neat. And I love that beginning because now we know, you know, what each person's role was uh, in a more defined manner. And I think that that's good. So right away, I think what's cool about it is you get – Cleon is the leader. I mean, he's clearly the leader you respect the guy, they respect the guy, um, and I, I love that. Um, and uh, and then they make their way via subway, and they're going to go ahead and start going to, to Van Cortland Park. And some of them are a little bit hesitant, and you know, but otherwise they kind of they kind of relax and, and and go for the ride. And then you start to see how many gangs are invited. So what I love the scenes of everybody kind of taking the subways and walking the streets and going to Van Cortland Park. And that's our first kind of view of all the gangs and what they wear and how how cool it was. 
because you've got these guys in full garb. They're like costumes, and mm-hmm. some are very simple, some more elaborate, and we're going to really kind of break those down. So um, just real, you know, what I'll do here is kind of uh, talk about some of these gangs that that we see, and I'm not going to touch upon the gangs that uh, that are encountered by the um, by the warriors, but uh, you know, you had the high hats. You had the guys dressed up like Marcel Marceau with the face paint and the, the top hats, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so like mimes, you know. Yeah, so they mimes. had that group, which was really interesting. You had the electric eliminators. They had these uh, these yellow satin jackets on. You had um, the Savage Huns, which were these this Asian outfit from, uh, from that were from Chinatown, and they had this at least kind of Asian looking, you know, gear, which was kind of neat. Yeah. You had the Jones street boys, which were, they wore the, um, uh, kind of black and yellow, uh, shirts. Um, you had the Saracens that had these tank tops, uh, black with white uh, lettering. You had the Satan's mothers, which were in, uh, um, kind of like almost like a hell's angels vest. You had uh, the Panzers, which were dressed up like the um, uh, camouflage. So it really sets up this this exotic world of gangs. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think you mentioned the Saracens, right? Yep. They had the they were the ones that were coming up the stairs with the black uh, yep. tank tops. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong, but please, I, I, I'm I'm gonna find this out. The leader of that crew was actually the guy that was in stripes, the Hispanic guy in stripes. Yes. Yes. Right? That's correct. Okay. That is All correct. Right. Yes. I yeah. thought so. I thought yeah, I he's saw wearing him. the he's wearing that cool vest, the the kind of the multicolor, like a black and white vest. He's the one that's wearing something different than the other guys. Yes, correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, no, that is true. That is I true. was analyzing a little too much, I think, that night. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, okay, so we've got these gangs going to Van Cortlandt Park, mm-hmm. and now we're the, the Warriors get there, and this park is just full of people. Packed. Every gang in the city. Right. Yeah. So at least the major gangs. Right, because we've, we find out later that there are other gangs that aren't even on the network of how big they are. So this is just the main huge gangs that are kind of the players of the city. Right. Correct. Okay. Right. So... They're there, so what? why are we there? And so this is the big moment. This is where we get to see the Messiah. This is Cyrus. This is, the you know, he's he's legendary. And, you know, for some people, this is the first time they've ever seen him. And so let's go ahead and listen to his speech. Can you count, suckers? I say the future is ours. If you can count. Now look what we have here before us. We've got the Saracens sitting next to the Jones Street Boys. We've got the Moon Runners right by the Van Cortlandt Rangers. Nobody is wasting nobody. That is a miracle. And miracles is the way things ought to be. You're standing right now with nine delegates from a hundred gangs. 
And there's over a hundred more. That's 20,000 hardcore members, 40,000 counting affiliates, and 20,000 more not organized, but ready to fight. 60,000 soldiers. Now there ain't but 20,000 police in the whole town. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? crime syndicates, the police, because we got the streets, suckers! Can you dig it? The problem in the past has been the man turning us against one another. We have been unable to see the truth because we have been fighting for 10 square feet of ground. Our turf. Our little piece of turf. It's crap, brothers. The turf is ours by right. Because it's our turn. All we have to do is keep up the general truce. We take over one borough at a time. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. I tell you, that's just a moment. That speech is crazy. Yeah, so let's unpack this a little bit. I'm ready to go take over some turf right now. (laughs) You're ready. (laughs) I'm ready. Ready to fight. I'm ready to fight. So I'm going to let you talk about, first I'm going to talk about some things, bro. Then I'm going to kind of kick it to you to kind of give you a perspective on Cyrus and maybe relating that to the way you want. Okay. Um, So... In this in this speech, you've got Cyrus, obviously the leader of this the largest gang, and he's he's a big thinker. I mean, this guy sees this opportunity where they've got sixty thousand people against twenty thousand cops. They could take this thing over, and so he's kind of come up with this this idea: if we all just you know remain in truce and work together, we can take over. So that's the concept, and the people are buying into that. All right. And then at the end of that scene, first of all, let me say this. Throughout this um, this meeting, you see people getting closer. You see people moving around. Uh, you see one of the warriors who really wants gets interested in this, and it's Fox. And Fox goes ahead, and he kind of puts himself into a situation where he can kind of get a good view of, of Cyrus because you know, I think he's intrigued by what he's saying. So – Everybody's into this. And then all of a sudden, at the end of that, where it's all our turf, then you hear the gunshot. All right. And at that stage, you see this guy, long-haired, and you see that he's in this um, gang called the Rogues. 
and he shoots Cyrus. And at that stage, people are scattering, and Fox is standing there, and he, he witnessed who did it. And the guy who did it, who we find out his name is Luther, turns around, sees that Fox saw him, and he aims the gun at him. So he's going to shoot Fox, and then all of a sudden these bright lights come on. Because during this whole meeting, the police have surrounded it because they heard about this, this, and they went there to kind of break it up. And uh, so Fox is saved, and he takes off. So that's what happens at that stage. Um, and then we'll pick it up from there in a little bit. But, but bro, based upon that meeting and what's going on, how, I mean, how do you see it? Okay, so I, I, have, a, I have a theory about, um, about the Gramercy Rifts. And uh, obviously the Gramercy Rifts are the, the biggest gang. We've, we've already discussed that. But there's also, they have four allies that are very strong allies of theirs. And one of them is the Van Corlett Rangers. The other is the Saracens, the Baseball Furies, and the Hi-Hats. Those are four of their allies. So there's five of them. So now I go take you back, and let's go back and look at the Mafia, okay? The Mafia has five families, okay? So the five families of the Mafia are obviously the Gambino, the Genovese, the Lucchese, the Colombo, and the Bonanno families. Five families of New York City. So what I'm kind of, kind of, my theory is this, that the Gramercy Riffs and these other four families are like the five families of the mafia, but they are the biggest organization. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to basically do what the mafia is doing, taking control of the city. And that's kind of, that was kind of my philosophy and my theory about it all. Um, obviously, there's always one guy who's kind of like the Don, the big shot, and Cyrus is that guy. He's the kind of the lucky, uh, lucky, lucky Luciano who created the, the five members of the board where everything has to go through the five families before anything can happen, right? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking this is kind of like. That's, that's my theory on it. I'm not saying it is, but it's just a theory. Um, you know, I, I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah. No, there's a lot of parallels there. I mean, right? If they're, so you're saying Cyrus Cyrus is Cyrus then is he's the Teflon Don. He's right. the untouchable. I mean basically obviously he's not because he gets right. he gets killed. But I mean, yes, I they mean, you know, whacked. they all get they all get they exactly. all get it eventually. That's what happens, you know. <laughs> Prior to his murder, I mean. Right. But you know, it, it's it's just interesting because yeah. the way the way that he's trying to set up this organization as one big organization is very similar to what the mafia is doing. They want the mafia wants to control everything, the ins and the outs, the politics, the 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 police, everything. That's that's their job so they can do business as they want. So they can take over territories. No different than what the gangs are doing. It's exactly the same thing. Sure. It's a great yeah, analogy. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's what I kind of that's what I kind of like about you know this because um, you know one I'm a big you know mafia person. I love that I love that stuff. I love the history of it. I the mm. movies. I'm I'm really big into it. So um, when I was kind of looking at everything and Lou, we talked about this briefly. I was like, well, you know, it's almost like the kind of a theory I want to go with is like the five families of the city of the mafia, the five families gang. I mean, and not saying that the Saracens and the hi-hats are these big families, but if you look at the mafia too, there's five families. Not all of them are big families either. The Bonanos are not a huge family. The Genovese and the Gambinos are the big ones. And obviously the Lucchese's, mm -hmm. you know, so those are big families. Um, not all of them are huge, but there's always one that's the biggest. And that's what the Gramercy Rifts are. They're the biggest. So they have the over, the kind of the power to run everything. And that's what they were trying to do, I think. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, I like the parallel because it's New York and, um, you know, you've got the boroughs and, and everything. You got the families and it all kind of works really nicely. I think that gangs to this day are so many of them are very organized. I mean, mm-hmm. so I think they've taken that model. And they've, you know, they've, they're just doing that. I mean, because they're involved in so many things these days, the LA gangs, the New York gangs, whatever sure. it might be. My oh, gosh. Yeah. So, um, so, okay. So now we've got the wild card, Luther, who, and the rogues, who shoot Cyrus. And at that stage, you've got panic. You've got Fox who witnesses it, doesn't get shot because of the bright lights that blind Luther. Right. And then they scatter. So at this stage, Cleon sees all that's happening. He makes sure his guys are okay. And he says, you guys go against the crowd, you know, get out of here. We'll meet up later type of thing. And Cleon's going to go and check in on, on Cyrus because clearly Cleon was really buying into this. He was into Cyrus and he wanted to be a part of this whole thing. Sure. And so he's checking to see, is the guy alive or not? Is he all right? So we see him go down there. All right. And we find out that's probably not the smartest thing in the world, you know, ultimately as we go. And, you know, and if anybody's not seen the movie, there's, we're telling you the movie. So, you know, if, if you want to stop it and then go watch the movie and come back, that's, that's probably smart because we're exposing everything in the movie here. So these are all spoilers. Um, so then Cleon goes down and checks in and what's funny when you notice with um with cleon he just pushes his way past riffs he's like get out of the way yeah he I did mean, you could just tell he is such charge and such a competent leader. Yeah. oh my gosh and so he goes down there checks in they see cyrus he's dead and then all of a sudden you've got luther and his henchmen there and um he goes it, it was them it was the warriors. He did it. So they point. He points to uh, to Cleon, and Cleon's like, "Hey, what are you talking about? I didn't do anything." And also, Luther comes at him, and Cleon just dispatches him easily. I mean, he's a great fighter. He just takes Sam, takes out another guy, but then all of a sudden, the rifts jump, mm-hmm. and then and that's it. And that's the end of Cleon. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you could yeah. see them just dropping the elbows on him. Man, they're just dropping yeah. elbows on his head and just. Yeah. Yeah. And he's done. And you know he didn't survive. They were going to kill him. No. I mean, that's yeah, obvious. Yeah, he, he's dead. He's dead, so, you know. All right. So let's stop right there. I remember at that stage. So the director, Walter Hill, he's done other movies where he's taken out the leaders early in movies. And that's kind of his style. He loves to kind of shock the audience because, you know, he's a leader. You, you know, I mean, you expect it's like John Wayne getting killed in the first five minutes of the <laughs> film. I mean, right, right? right? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So, I remember being so bummed out because I wanted to see what Cleon was all about. Yeah, I agree because you know that he was a badass. I mean, without yeah. a doubt, it showed that. I mean, he's just tossing tossing rogues out of the way, and you know, and again, you know, he's even going up against these riffs, and then the one just just gets him yeah. good, and that's it. I mean, the riffs yep. are obviously. Good fighters. Um, they're obviously the best of the best. So, um, you know, but yeah, it would have been great to see what Cleon would do later on down the road, like what he could do with kicking some butt, man, you know, because you know he could, that's for sure. Yeah. What he would have done to Luther at the end. <laughs> oh, man. Oof. All right. So Cleon's dead. Rest in peace. The, the gang is now escaped the park and kind of regrouping. 
And I guess at that stage, um, that's when I think, you know, Swan kind of takes over and realizes, hey, you know, I don't know where Cleon is. Him being the second in command, he kind of takes, assumes control. War chief, yep. So he becomes war chief. And then who, of course, has the issue? Ajax. (laughs) Ajax. So let's... I I like Ajax. Oh, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. So let's talk. I think now's a good time to kind of break down the guys since we know that Cleon's gone. Let's let's talk about each of these guys. So we yeah. start with Swan. He's become the um uh he's the lead, now the new leader, the new new uh warlord. Um so I don't know. So Pat, what's what's your take on Swan? Give me give me some thoughts on Swan. Well, you know, he's he's got a really calm demeanor. One thing about Swan, you know, he's mostly all business. Um but he's always serious. It seems like, in my mind, and what I've you know seen in the movie, um, strong leader, and he's very loyal, very loyal to the warriors. But I think it, his demeanor of being that quiet, cool, you know, he's he's the guy that he'll look right through you with his mm-hmm. eyes, and he'll paralyze you. He's that kind of a leader. Um, doesn't like any any BS. Likes to keep things on the up and up, straight and level. Um, no favoritism whatsoever. Um, you know, but I mean, not a not a bolstery guy. He's got a wiry build. You know, he wears he doesn't have the shirt on. He wears the leather warrior's uh, vest. You know, but he's it's not, he's not this man of muscle or anything. But uh, I think it's just his demeanor that it really you know sets him apart from everybody else. Yeah, he's definitely calm, and mm-hmm. I think he's and that's probably why um, Cleon chose him because he's level headed. You know, will make you know, good decisions for the group. Um, certainly capable. Any thoughts, bro, on, on Swan? Yeah, no, I think Pat nailed it right on. on I mean, he's just, you know, very, very calm. Like I said, like the look, like Pat was saying, you know, it kind of looks right through you. And that's without a doubt. You ever, whenever you see him, he's just kind of got that stare and he's just looking straight ahead. And, and he's probably, you know, okay, here's the, here's the plan. We're planning it. He's planning everything ahead of what, how we're going to do things, but he's just very, okay, like, Boom, this is what we're doing. Let's go. Bam, let's rock. You know, he's not wasting any time. Let's just get to business and get it done. Let's get home, you know? Yeah, so obviously he's challenged by Ajax right away. Mm -hmm. Um, Ajax believes he should be the the warlord. Um, He was upset with Cleon. He wanted to kind of be the guy. But obviously Cleon knows that Ajax is is a hothead. Loyal, though. Loyal to the warriors. But at the same time, a hothead but a great fighter, um, but you just never know what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, at, at that stage, we kind of see anything, Pat, on your perspective on Ajax? Yeah, he just, you know, pretty much what you said, uh, Lou, but, uh, you know, he's the best fighter by far in the in the gang. It, it might ar- arguably be one of the best fighters in the entire mm. city. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you watch mm-hmm. the movie, mm. um, I mean, he, he just, he was that guy that got me, got me riled up i mean i i enjoyed watching him i enjoyed watching him fight you know especially you know the the baseball boys (laughs) um but yeah he's very dependable um but you know like you said he's 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 a loose cannon yes he's a loose cannon he's that guy that'll badmouth the boss but you know what he'll be there for the rest of the team and the boss in the end yeah and and he'll demonstrate that in the movie and as we go through the sequences we can certainly uh you know be able to, to speak to that in, in the um, beginning, when they were, when he was talking to, or I think him and Cowboy were talking, doesn't Ajax say something like, 
and hope we get to bash some heads in or something like that. Like he, does. He, he wants to fight. Like that's that's why he's there. He he is a soldier. He wants to fight and show people like, hey, we're the warriors, and this is what we can do. You know, and he's representing his his gang, his crew. Well, you know, and I think he was hesitant to go into this thing not armed. You know, they're they're all taking chances, and Ajax right. knew that 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 was a risk because you get all those gangs together, something's not going to go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh. agree, Lou. You know, and if anybody, if anybody in the Warriors would have carried a weapon to that meeting, it would have been him. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. You guys agree with that? Without it, without a doubt. You know, and but you know, it's funny they 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 followed the rules. The Warriors didn't, you know, and and Ajax was there with with his um with his yeah. fists. He was ready yep. to go. All right. Well, that goes to show you what kind of a leader Cleon mm-hmm. was. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the next guy I want to talk about is Fox because I find Fox yeah. interesting. So number one, Fox witnesses what happened, so he knows the truth. Um, and the second thing is, it seems to be he's the guy that uh, Swan is kind of leaning on a little bit. All right. Yes, so, I saw that. Yep. So Pat, what do you, what do you what do you have on on Fox? Well, Fox, as we know, he was the scout. He was the scout for the Warriors. He's the guy that went ahead. You know, when these guys would be out on patrol or wherever they went out on during their whatever they did, he was the guy that went ahead of them. You know, he was two three blocks ahead, maybe a mile ahead at the time. You know, he was the guy that would bring back the information as far as what's in front of them. Um, small, thin, Caucasian male, curly brown hair. Um, you know, he wears his wears that buttoned up vest. He wore his vest buttoned up, if you can remember. And, you know, he wasn't like the rest of the guys. You know, he, was, he was a different guy. Um, and, you know, he had that one uh, he had that one quote that said, the train would help unless you want to go up there and get jabbed on an open platform. That's what he said to the members while mm-hmm. they were waiting, if mm-hmm. you remember that. But, um, you know, he's, uh, he's a little passive, but he's also he's also a negotiator, if you remember uh, we'll, we'll, the running we'll with there. the orphans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, but I, I would say... You know, for the most part, he's their scout. He's he's the guy that gets out in front, figures out what's going out, what's going on ahead of ahead of the head of the gang, and uh, reports yeah. back. Bro, anything on Fox from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, same same kind of concept. I think you know, you said Swan does kind of rely on him. He's looking to him as his right hand um, in the situation. You know, he's um, he's you know he's talking with him. He's like you know he's hey, Fox. Go check this out, Fox. Go. You know, he's he's relying on this guy to do do stuff for him and protect the gang as well. And I think he's kind of like become, um, he's become, you know, what uh, Swan was to Cleon. I think Fox is becoming his second in command and to a, to an extent, and he relies on him quite a bit. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and kind of break down the rest of the rest of the group here. So then we've got snow and snow is interesting. He's the music man. He's the guy carrying the boom box and you see that initially, but then they don't think you don't see it anymore. In the film, but um, Snow to me is kind of cool. He's a very capable fighter, um, yep. very level-headed. Uh, to me, I could see him being, you know, a, a lieutenant, being a, a guy that you could really lean on as well. Pat, mm-hmm. anything on uh, from uh, from your end on you Snow? Know, you, you pretty much hit it. You pretty much had it. Uh, hit it, Lou. Uh, you know, heavy muscle man, uh, real disciplined, independent. You know, he's a reserve kind of guy. But a heavy, yeah. heavy muscle. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I just, I kind of dug him. He was kind of a cool dude. So, yeah, I like him too. And he, I don't, I don't, don't think we get enough of him 
in the movie, which, which I think would have been a lot more better, you know, a lot more fun to see him in more of those fighting scenes and more action scenes. Because like you said, he, he is heavy muscle and he is calm. He, you know, he's like, he's like a Cleon really. Mm -hmm. He's really kind of probably could be that, that Cleon. He could be that leader down the road here. You know what I'm saying? So it would have been nice to see a lot more of him in, in those kind of scenes and stuff. All right. Then we've got uh, very passive Rembrandt. And so we know that he's been tasked with just, you know, tagging everything. Yeah, he's, the, so he's, the, he's the artist, yeah. Yes. All right. Pat, what do you got on uh, Rembrandt? He is the graffiti man. <laughs> it's about it. He's you know, late teens, maybe early 20s if best. Looks like he's 12 years old. Yeah. You know who he kind of looks like to me is Paul Stanley from Kiss. <laughs> I always thought that's what he looked like with Paul Stanley without makeup. Uh, that's what I thought funny. he looked like. But uh, You asked for it. Yeah, you just, got it. Just young. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the best you got just the best. just a young kid, and I, you know, I, I remember watching the movie and thinking, God, why is he with these yes. guys? Yes, I mean, he can't yeah. fight, he can't yeah. do anything. Yeah. He, and I used to get so upset about that. Yeah, when I you know, all the times I would watch the movie, I'd go, God, is he ever going right. to do something? Right. No. Yeah, I agree. I thought the same thing. Like, how did this guy get in this gang? I mean, uh, yeah, you know, all these other guys can kind of hold their own. You know, kind of, you know, at least willing to throw down and do what they have to do. And he's just like very like, you know, like even the scene in the cemetery when he says, you know, go ahead, leave our mark. And he goes back and he's leaving the W on the tombstone. And he goes, hey, guys, wait for me. And he's like, you know, they all are gone. He's like running like, yeah, like I'm scared yeah. little cat. Like, where yeah. is everyone? You know? Yeah, he's he's so. there just for that purpose. I mean, he's part of the, you know, because he's the, he's the tagger. Right? That's all there is to it. So that's what he does. Um, all right, so then we got Cowboy. What do you got, Pat, on Cowboy? Well, he's a soldier, uh, you know, former lieutenant of the uh, Warriors. Um, you know, he's kind of laid back, easy going, you know, but always kind of going with the flow and whatnot. Um, uh, he seems to be really into his hat. We know of the hat he wears, <laughs> the Stetson hat. He's really into his hat. So he talks about that on occasion. Um, but you know, he, uh, he, he, he's, he likes to hang out with Ajax. He's, he's Ajax's yep. buddy. Uh, and, and there's, I think there's some stuff we'll talk about down the road sure, with these two, sure. but, uh, he's pretty laid back, but, uh, I think he's a think tanker is what I thought of. I always thought of him just being that guy that thinks things through, you know, when, then when you saw him with Ajax, paired up with Ajax, he has to be that guy because there's no way in hell you're going to let Ajax go alone or with somebody that's like himself. You know, you got to have somebody you know, that's kind of offsets you a little bit as far as personality. Hmm. And he's completely opposite of Ajax. Yeah, so kind of a nice counterbalance. So, I think that works. Yeah, absolutely. Works. See, you know, what, what I kind of got from Cowboy was um, a little, I guess a little bit of that, but I got the, the, the Cowboy wanted to be, wanted to be Ajax, but just didn't, he wasn't as, as strong and didn't have that same attitude as Ajax, but he wanted to be him. Like he looked up to him and I think Ajax kind of looked at him like a little brother to an extent because when, you know, there's a, well, like a scene when they're together later and he says, you know, well, well, we, we, we'll talk about that later. I don't want to ruin anything now, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we'll, we'll go into that. But I, it's, I think it's like a little brother, big brother kind of thing with them too. That's, like that. that's my thing on that. Yeah. Yep. I like that. I like that take. That's a yep. good take. Thank Paulie. you, sir. All right. Then we got Cochise. Cochise. All right, so Cochise, another muscle guy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, he, he gets fun in, in, in the scenes later that we'll talk about. But, uh, you know, I, I don't have any major take on him. Pat, anything to add? I, I don't know that there's a lot. He's not a real deep guy, in my opinion. Yeah. No, not really. I mean, he's definitely heavy muscle. But, uh, you know, he's a little he's, he's a little into the style a little bit more than everybody else. You know, he uh, 
He likes to wear that long, darker red bandana, you know, with a unique gold design around his head. So um, he, he's into style a little bit more than everybody else, but he, he's, he's always looking for a good time. There's no doubt about it. He's always looking for a good time. He's like a, he reminds me of, uh, reminds me of a puppy, you know, the attention span of a puppy. You know, they see something going on in one section, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go over to this. And then it's like something funner is going on over here or better. It's like, oh, maybe I'm going to check this out. That's what uh, Cochise is all about. <laughs> I, I, I really, I just really see him as a soldier. You know, yeah. just he's, yeah, a, he's there. He is. He is he's a ready, soldier. He's yep. ready to throw down if needs to, and he's there for the, he's there for yep. the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's certainly laid out by Cleon that uh, A. Jackson and him are kind of the real you know muscle soldier guys. Um, and then one of my favorite characters because I think he's he adds the comedy element to it to an extent is Vermin. I mean, Vermin is is just kind of funny, you know. Um, a, definitely a capable guy. I mean, he can fight too and, and everything. He's yeah. a big big guy, but he's a lover boy. He uh, <laughs> he likes to have some fun. What do you got on uh, on Vermin, Pat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much that's about it. You know, he's he he does like to have a lot of fun. He loves to party. You can tell that. Um, you know, he he's pretty pessimistic, but uh, in the same token, um, you know, he he's a fighter. He can fight. I think he can hold his own. Um, so you know, I don't want to want to ruin anything, but there's a section down down moving forward with him that's yeah, kind of funny. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, he's he's he, I like Vermin. Okay, I've, he's 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 balanced. I think you're right when you said he's you know he's the comedy element of the, on the on the on the show on the yeah. movie because you know he's making little comments in, in the subway, just laugh, you know, making little jokes. He's got that smile on his face, mm-hmm. and he's just he's kind of the jokester, and you know, trying to like. You know, thinking like he's right away. You know, they they get past a certain point. And they're like, "Yeah, we're home free. We got this." You know, he yeah. just everything is yeah. like, "Yeah, no yeah. big deal." You know, yeah, so exactly. yeah, exactly. But he's very loyal. Yes, very loyal. They all you know, are. They, they all, are. every single one of yeah. them. Yeah. It's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I think, and I think back in those times with those gangs and all of them, they're 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 all loyal to their gang and and you know their turf and their territories, and they'll fight they'll fight to to the death to to protect their territory and their colors, you know, and I think that's a big deal, so okay so let's um let's advance it here, and um they're in the cemetery they um they've got to get their bearings Rembrandt I think hops up on top of the statue, looks out to see if he can find the subway, finds a train station, so they head to the train station. Okay. Correct. So, all right. So let's let's get in the mind of the warriors here for a second. All they know is Cyrus got shot, and they got to get home. And Correct. they don't have they don't have any idea that other than cops that could possibly be after them at that stage, right? So then right. nothing. Of what's and that, going and on. they and they even think that Cleon probably got popped by cops. I, exactly. So they make a comment about Cleon being arrested or something. Right. So no idea what's what's about to happen. So. They get close to the station. The rifts now, they know that the warriors, because they were told, they took out Cleon, that the warriors killed Cyrus. And so now they're putting everybody on notice to find the warriors. And he wants them alive or wasted. Right. He says it clear as day. Yep. Yep. I want them alive. We get our first glimpse of Maasai. So Maasai was Cyrus's second in command and uh and we see clearly or that Ma- as i'd like to call him the underboss the underboss there we go okay How about that <laughs> five families the underboss all right so um <laughs> so yeah so he's he's stepping right into the don's role 
and clearly capable, commanding. He's he's ready to go. So he's got the network looking for them. And what's interesting now is we get our first glimpse and our first taste of the, the kind of the um, the breadth of of control that they have in the city because they're using our network and they use a radio DJ to get the word out. That's right, boppers. So here's uh, here's a little taste of that. All right, now. For all you bumpers out there in the big city, all you street people with an ear for the action, I've been asked to relay a request from the Gramercy Ritz. It's a special for the Warriors. That's that real live bunch from Coney. And I do mean the Warriors. Here's a hit with them in mind. All right, so now that the word's gotten out, you've got the... Warriors heading to the station, they stop before the station and they see it's all, it's kind of eerily quiet, and they see there's no train there yet, and so one of them says, you know, let's let's go up and just wait up there, and and I think that's the one scene where you know we don't want to go up there and get, um, and they they, they use the term japped, um, but uh, so they wait, and then in that time you get the eerie music, and then you see the green bus start to come down the streets. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And you got the Mr. Mm. A.C. Turnbulls. Yeah. So this is a bad-looking bunch of dudes. They are. They are. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of them. Um, there's a lot in the bus. There's a lot on top of the bus. There's a bunch of them hanging yeah. off the bus. I mean, they're all over the place. Out the windows, everything. Oh, yeah. They have chains and pipes and bats and yeah. I mean, every weapon you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and doesn't the bus turn around? Right. Yeah, and it's and um, it's it's kind of raining. There's a, it's rained or it's it's raining outside, and there's puddles, and um, the bus passes them, right, Lou? And uh, yeah. and then they're deciding what they're going to do, and um, and then at the last minute, uh, the bus turns around, I believe, starts coming back, and then Swan goes now, and they all yeah. take off running. They yeah. do, and so okay, so let's let's. <laughs> That's the one thing where it's like if these guys really wanted to get them, they could have they could have ran them over, <laughs> I mean, right? The, oh the, my God. the bus didn't go over twenty miles an hour. No, it like no. So either the when bus you have was just, people in the bus. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe that was part of the issue. Was a you know, I mean the bus didn't look like it was in good shape, but uh, but all they do no, is it didn't. They're terrorizing them, right? So they're they're riding behind and they're yelling and screaming screaming at these guys. So it's it's pretty pretty exciting and, and eerie at the same time. They're running and running. They make their way up to the platform. They get on the uh, the train, and uh, and they make the train and uh, avoid the AC train. You know, you know what one of my favorite parts is, though? As they're running across the street, Ajax is the last one. And he kind of stops at the pole. And as the bus is coming, he gives them the finger. Yes, And they right. take a swing at him, and he kind of moves, and he just laughs and goes up the stairs. Yeah. This guy wants to fight, man. He, does. <laughs> he, he, can, does. he doesn't care if it's 40, 500 of them. He just wants to fight. It's great. I love it. It is so yeah. good. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's such a good role. You had alluded to Vermin saying, you know, that this is kind of uh, – he's on the train now, and they think, oh, we've got an hour, hour drive. You know, um, I think even Cochise says it, you know, just an hour to, the, uh, to Coney Island. Yeah, just an hour. Yeah. And no, we got nothing to worry about. We're just getting out of our drive. Yeah, we're good, you know? That's exactly and right. And surprise. <laughs> yeah. It just gets, gets worse. Worse yeah, for so, them. Right. So then you realize, and so this is kind of cool. So they get to the next, next station and they have to stop because it's on fire. 
Right. And there's a great line in that. I'm sure you're probably going to mention it, so I'll let you go ahead. No, but, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I, I just love it sitting there going, man, I wonder, you know, what the heck's going on? And then I think it's Fox that says, maybe we should be worrying who set that fire. Yeah. So you get a really good taste of Fox is a thinker. You know, he's, yeah. you know, and obviously he, he saw what went down there too. Now he hasn't said anything to anybody that, you know, that he saw who killed the warriors. You don't get none of that sense yet. Um, right. But he's clearly uneasy by everything that's happened. And so now he's like putting, kind of starting to put some pieces together. So mm-hmm. they're at the, um, uh, at the station, they go ahead, they get out, and then they, they walk the streets. And then now they're going to go ahead and encounter the next group. That is correct. Now we get an interesting scene because the rogues are at a candy store mm. and Luther makes a call. Correct. All right. So, bro, I know that this call kind of had you kind of puzzled a little bit. You were like, mm, it did. what's going on here? Go ahead. I was kind of kind of wondering, okay, so who who is this guy talking to? Who is he calling? And he says, yeah, man, everything went great. Everything's good. You know, he's just kind of talking. So I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking, who was on the other end of this phone? And, um, you know, who could it be? Um, is it, you know, is is Luther not the leader of the rogues? Um, is the, the leader there? I don't know. I mean, there's probably a lot of things that could be, but uh, it really bothered me a lot, bro. Yeah. So in doing some research into the script itself, um, so Luther is the leader of the rogues. There is no other um, anybody else there. But uh, according to the script, though, he's calling his mentor. And so mm-hmm. I don't know what that is all about, what his angle is, but there was some theory out there that was Luther paid to kill Cyrus Cyrus. and uh, maybe paid by organized crime, paid by politicians because of the what they wanted to do. But none of it makes sense because we know that Luther's just a loose cannon. And there's nothing mm. in, in this call that leads you to believe because he's he's relaying what happened. And so if he was if he was the guy that was being told to do that, you think he'd just say, Yeah, I got it done or something like that. And that's not the case. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So now we go and uh, we're on the street. And we're, we're now walking. they got to walk to the next train station since this one was uh, set on fire. Uh, and that's where we come across the orphans. My favorite gang. <laughs> My so favorite gang. It's great, isn't it? So at this point, we see this ragtag group. I mean, they're just wearing these really bad, dirty green T-shirts. You know, they yeah. all look like a bunch of misfits. Well, they look like they're orphans. Like a bunch of orphans. Like orphans. Yeah. That's for sure. And they're like um, dirty and they're just yeah. yeah. Oh, there's some on the roof looking down on you know, on the warriors walking down the street and looking, you know, there's a, a few sitting outside on the on the on the sidewalk and kind of checking out this gang walking through. And the leader he sees like three different ways. Yeah, he's got a couple <laughs> different eyes going on yeah, there. There's you know. definitely some yeah. funky stuff happening. Cue ball. Yeah. But this is where is now Paul, we Paul, see Paul Greco, wasn't it? So this is where this is where we see Swan takes Fox with him. Correct. So that's takes him where up and, right. So he's he's yeah. the guy. He's the he's the second. Absolutely, it proves it right there. He is that is his second in command. He wants him to be with him, and um, they walk up and uh, um, the leader of the orphans and another one. They walk up and they kind of have their little conversation. 
um, you know, talking about uh, Miss going to the, you know, having the, they're just coming back from the big, uh, the big meeting in the park and, and the orphans uh, says, you know, me and in the park, we, we didn't know nothing about that. We're the orphans. <laughs> we weren't invited, you know? And he's like, oh yeah, I don't know. And he's trying to tell them how bad they are and, and stuff like that. Just yeah. trying to make themselves big and trying to be bad. And I get it. And, and uh, Fox is really cool in that part. Oh yeah. You guys are that bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I heard about that. You know, just kind of leading them on and, to make and them then downplays. Downplays the fact that they yeah. weren't there. Oh, you, it was it was exactly. a mess. Exactly. Does it? Does it? Yeah. So does a great job. Yeah. Does a great job of it. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, and he's like, uh, at the end, after the end of the conversation, they basically um, leader of the orphan says, you know, hey man, as long as you guys come in, you know, with with peace, no problems, we'll let you come through. Not a problem. And then that's when uh, good old uh, Deborah Van Velkenborg comes out. And she's making, Mercy. she's going, bah, 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 making the chicken noises and stuff. And so, okay, so let's pause there for a second. So, okay, there's trouble, right? Immediately, oh, and, and that's yeah. exactly what I forget which warrior says it. You know, who's that? Trouble. Here, trouble. Yeah. All right. So, Pat, you have anything on uh, on Mercy that you want to mention? She's, I, you know, just, just. I think she's always looking for the next best thing. You know, she's kind of afraid to go out. I think she's afraid to go out at night, afraid to go anywhere without somebody. She's got to have a guy. You know, she can't do anything on her own. She obviously has to have a man in her life. Well, and unfortunately, she's stuck with the orphans. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, clearly she's a prostitute, um, and uh, you know, and is just hung out with these guys. So you get now you got the shiny new warriors, tough guys, a little more interesting than the orphans. Let's face it, a lot more interesting. <laughs> yeah, a lot more interesting. Uh, My goodness. All right. So now that she's caused trouble, bro, mm-hmm. now she's um, she first asked for the vest. Yeah, and they said, I'm sorry, I can't give you that. You can't have it. Yes. Can't take the cut, without a doubt. That's Not going right. to happen. Yep. And so um, after, you know, some debating, then, of course, um, leader of the orphan says, um, take off take off your, uh, you know, your colors, um, and you can come through. And Swan, of course, says, I'm sorry, but I ain't taking off my colors. We can't do that. We don't do that. Yep. We don't do that. Yeah. And you yep. and you don't. That's that's everything to them. That's showing them that they're punked out. And yep. that ain't gonna happen. So, you know. And so uh they all run inside, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So now at this stage they kind of regroup. They go to kind of get reinforcements, get some mm-hmm. weapons, and they take off. Right. And then Mercy Mercy follows. Yeah, because the warriors now just walking. They just go. They don't care. They're They're just just gonna walk right. They don't care anymore. (laughs) So Mercy's following them to see where they are, and of course Ajax grabs her, and um, you know they kind of uh, take her, um, um, I guess hostage almost. It's really yeah, hostage, little interrogation, Mike. Interrogation, you know. Swan wants to know what's what's going on. What's her deal? Right, and then um, of course what happens. The orphans come back with their full crew, probably yes. 20, 25 members. T- yeah, at least 20, I think it was. Yeah. Pretty decent amount. And Marty Feldman, their leader. <laughs> <laughs> they come back, and of course, they have their weapons with them. And I believe uh, their leader pulls out a, a straight edge razor. And he says, you see, warriors, you see what you get when you mess with the orphans? You see what you get, warriors? You see what you get when you mess with the orphans? <laughs> <laughs> see you uh, see you get what you mess with the orphans love that and then uh i believe it's cochise takes out his bottle snow oh no not cochise who is it 
Snow. Snow, that's right. Snow takes off Snow. the bottle and uh, wraps a little bit of Cochise's uh, ribbon around it. No, what happens is um, Swan reaches underneath, grabs a part of the skirt of uh, Mercy. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Pulls the skirt off her dress. That's right. Wraps it around the bottle. They light it and they throw it in the car and uh, they run and then the car explodes and there's orphans everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, orphans. Look at that orphan fly. Yeah. Then you get the cut with the DJ saying that, you know, the miners. The minor league team blew it. (laughs) They messed up. um, and then you get, and then you also get, I believe, uh, a message to the riffs as well, right? Saying yes. that um, this this gang, uh, the orphans, um, he's like orphans. They're not in our network. Um, and they said, well, yeah, they messed it's like up. Like one down or something like that. One down or something like that. I can't remember what she said. Yeah, something they missed, and right. it's just an interesting thing because it shows like the whole. It shows how the the gangs were, you know, how how important it was because. The riffs knew who all the gangs were. And then here was this gang, the orphans, and it showed that they weren't invited to the party, obviously, because they're they're not known who no one knows who they are. And even the riffs were like, We don't even know who they are. They're not even mm-hmm. in our network. We don't know mm-hmm. them. So they're nobodies. <laughs> yeah. They're nobodies. Yeah, and, and you see here that they rely on the streets, they rely on the D de- you know, all the stuff that's going on because there's no cell phones, you know, nobody's dropping dimes necessarily. Right. They're they're really using this network of people to find out what's going on. And they're staying really informed of what's happening. Yeah. And it also shows how how much how much connections and power the riffs have. Yep. To be able to just hit have a local DJ on the radio just be like, Hey, announce this stuff. Here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that says a lot right there. Yeah. And so then now Mercy's with the Warriors. They hop on the train. They get on the train, and they get they move on. Then we got Luther making another call. Yes, he does. So another check in. Now he's actually trying to find out what happened. He finds out that the orphans missed, and um, so he realizes let's let's go out there and look ourselves too, because obviously yeah, we're gonna find, in, we want to find them first. Yeah, in their best interest, yeah. obviously. Yep. All right. Good deal. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. Absolutely. All right. So as they're waiting at the station, all right, they're waiting for they're they're waiting on the train, and yes. um, the cops show up, and then the well, warrior. Well, they're on, they're actually on the train, right? The train's not moving. Right. Correct. Correct. The train's the, not moving. The doors are open. Yes. Everything's yep, open. They're just sitting and there hear, on the train, and they hear someone walking with the footsteps. Yep. And then it's that famous. The cop sees them through the window, and they take off. Correct. Yep. Okay. Just want to make sure that's yep. what scene it was. All that's right. where we're at. Yep. Perfect. And this is the part now where they scatter. <sighs> this is yep. where we've got now three groups that happen. So during that whole running around with cops trying to chase them, they, they all break up. And so here's how they get broken up. You've got Swan, Cowboy, Snow, and Ajax together. That's, that's a pretty, a pretty form- good that's team a, to have. That's a pretty that's good a, four, right? That's the team I want to go with, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Then you've got Vermin, Cochise, and Rembrandt. Okay? Yeah. Not too bad there. And then you got Fox and Mercy. Yeah. All right. So now Fox and Mercy, they start to kind of head um, to the to the train station, and they get attacked by a police officer. And at that Correct. stage, um, Fox is is rolling on the ground with the police officer and tells Mercy to go to run. And so Mercy takes off. And um, now we have during that whole fight and the rolling around, the police officer 
throws Fox under the tracks, gets hit by a train, and we lose Fox. Rest in peace, Fox. Yeah, tough one. And and that's a shame because Fox Fox is a good one. He's good. Plus, he's your next in command, right? I mean... Yeah, he was, you know, he was a thinker. You figured he's the one that's going to get mercy. They're going to get to the subway. They're going to get. They're going to be okay because you know they're yep. just the way he's thinking. And then this happens, so yep. it sucks. All right, so I'm going to insert some info here. I think I think it's a good spot because we we've just lost Fox. Now there's a reason why we lost Fox. So unfortunately, during the shoot, a couple of things here. First, number one, Mercy was always supposed to be with Fox. In the script, Mercy and Fox were the love interest. And Fox, he's supposed to move on, but he ends up dying in this one. And there's a reason why. Number one, he had no chemistry with Mercy. So they saw that, yeah, they saw that Swan and her had a lot of chemistry. So that's why they decided to go ahead and have Swan and Mercy be a couple. Interesting. So, good research. And then. There was an issue with the director and the actor. And so the person that played Fox was really always argumentative with him. And so it got to the point where he couldn't take it anymore. He fired him. And so they killed Fox. But originally, Fox was supposed to be there to the end with Mercy. Wow. Isn't that wow. crazy? All right. So yeah. there we go. So inserting some uh, some background into that that space. Okay. So after that tussle, we've lost Fox. So now we've got Vermin, Cochise, and Rembrandt. They make it on a train, and um, and they take off. And then Swan and the rest go up to the street, and this is where we meet the Baseball Furies. <laughs> One of the five families of the <laughs> of New York. How about that? Oh, man. So what was really eerie about, I think, this scene was, is they come up, they look, and they see one baseball player with a painted face and a bat wearing a pinstripe uniform. And then you see another one and another one. They're kind of spread out. They don't talk. They're just holding their bats or waving their bats and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. and then they kind of realize, oh, crap. And there's there's a few of them. So this is the stage where... They run and they get chased by the baseball furies. Yes, they do. They run all right. Yeah, they run a long ways. So then they end up running into the park, and then the four warriors they decide to split up. So you got Swan and Snow. They break off and kind of go one way, and then you've got uh, Cowboy and you've got Ajax that continue to run. And so the group stays with them. And then you've got Ajax, I'm sorry, then you've got uh, S- Snow and Swan. They kind of double back, and they kind of pick off a guy from behind. And then Cowboy, who we know is not the strongest and, and you know struggling, he's getting tired, and he just, you know, he's done. He's, he's just tired. And so Ajax says, good, because I'm, I'm tired of running yeah. from these wimps, you know. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what tired, he said. You're tired, you're tired of running? Yeah, good. I'm tired of running from these wimps. Yeah, I love so it. He's ready for a fight. Oh, yeah. And he does. <laughs> All right. So then we've got, um, and Ajax is ready, takes out one of the uh, Furies right away. Um, then Ajax gets surrounded. And then we've got the head Fury. And I think, Pat, this is the guy you called like Paul Stanley or something like that. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. With the star yeah, in the eye. It's kind of like a circle that he's got. But um, um, yeah. And uh, it kind of does look like Paul Stanley. A yeah. little bit, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I think he did. So then he does his ninja bat magic where he's doing, you know, or like a lightsaber type of thing, right? (laughs) You know, kind of of mesmerizes Ajax. And, uh, but, you know, he takes a big swing. Ajax ducks, knocks him out. Yeah. Boom. Then uh, Swan and Snow catch up and they finish off the the Fury. So uh, the good thing that came out of that whole thing, now they have weapons because they grab their bats. They got bats. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah. We don't need no stinking oh. bats. Yeah. So thoughts on the Furies and, and all of that. I thought the Furies, you know, in my, I, I thought they were going to be like the toughest, you know, I really did. I thought they were going to be the most mm-hmm. formidable of all the ones that they ran into. And yeah, but it was eerie. It was kind of eerie when you saw them come, you know, over the sidewalk, over yeah. that hill, you know, and they were chasing them. You just saw mm-hmm. one. You know, and then you start in the park. You start to see them. There were there was two, and then all of a sudden there's five or whatever, four of them. It was really eerie. That was an eerie scene. I thought in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, I with Pat, I kind of thought the Furies were going to be kind of like that. Uh, you know, that I don't know that assassin squad. Like they were the ones that were going to take them out yeah. and and do some damage to them. And um, you know, they really. I mean. <laughs> They really didn't seem to be very much. I mean, because they the guys took care of them pretty pretty well. I mean, they had baseball bats and um, you know Ajax. I mean, Ajax cracks that one, just lays them out, man. He's just <laughs> done, you know. Oh man! And then you know, and everyone else is just you know Snow and and Swan take care of the other ones, and Cowboy does take a bat to the you know to the stomach and he's done. But I mean, for the most part, though, I mean, they just they took care of him pretty easily, and yeah, yeah not too um, You know, and I think and I think that. That's a that's a big disappointment for the riffs when they get that news. I think it's really upsetting that I think because I think they were expecting the same that that the Furies were going to get them. Sure, sure, I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, so now let's go back to the three. So we've got Vermin, Cochise, and Rembrandt. Uh, they make it to Union Station, and um, yes, they do. They decide that they're going to kind of hang out there, but they come across this group of ladies. That are kind of standing there, ladies. acting uh, all seductive ladies. and stuff. And these are the who? Lizzies. <laughs> We've got the Lizzies, the all-female gang. Yes, they are all-female. And uh, they say, hey, boys, want to party? And you, <laughs> come on, Vermin and uh, Cochise, they're like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Cochise is like, hey, let's go. I'm in. Yeah. He's quick to go. And, you know, the... Um, they once again, they still don't know that they're being hunted. <laughs> they have no idea. They have no idea. They, they're they're sitting there going, "Oh, girls, let's go party." Hey, we don't That's care. It. You know, they're trying to get home, and they think that you know, possibly, you know, there's an issue with the gang going on their turfs, but um, because they had the AC Turnbulls chasing them, but at the same time, they just think the cops are really basically after them, so they're going to go party and have a good time. That's right. All right, and so now the the guys are walking. We're we're going back to the the four: Ajax, Swan, Hellboy, and Snow. We go back, and they're walking by, and Ajax happens to catch a look at a lady on the park bench. Yes, Mm -hmm. sitting all by her lonesome, late in the evening. Hello, hello. Mm. That should have been a sign right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Ajax decides that he wants to go have some fun, and he tells the guys mm. that to go on without him. And Swan's telling them, "Don't you know? Don't mess around. Let's go. Let's let's keep going." But ultimately, Ajax is going to do what Ajax wants to do, and that's what he does. And he and he leaves. Yeah, he goes up to the girl and says, "Hey, lady, are you okay?" And yep. And um, then we've got the th- we've got the three guys that take off. 
All right. And as they're walking over himself, there. Right? Yeah. He's, so you've got Ajax by himself. You've got the three that have gone away. Now, as the guys kind of get walking, Cowboy feels guilty. He doesn't want to leave Ajax behind. And so that's that kind of brother kind of mentality thing. And so, right. and then, you know, you're not going to let Cowboy go by himself. And Swan knows that. So he, he tells Snow to go back with Ajax. And, and Swan's going to go without himself. So meanwhile, now we go back to the park bench. You want to take it from there, bro? Yeah, no, he's you know he's talking to the girl and he's like, "Hey, lady, are you okay?" and and she says, "Yeah, yeah, sit down with me." And you know, she sits down and all that fun stuff. And um, she starts talking about his muscles, how big they are, and stuff. And and then of course, Ajax, being the gentleman that he is, just goes right away and grabs her <laughs> breasts and starts trying to get in her pants right off the bat. And she's like, hey, you're getting a little bit rough here, you know? And he's just going to town, and he's trying to, the next thing he knows, he's handcuffed to a park bench. Whoops. And she blows the whistle. And yeah. blows the whistle, the cops yeah. come, and he's under arrest. Yeah, so that's, you know, I, I love that scene in that you hear, you know, you don't see the handcuffs, you hear the sound of it, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Click. crap. Yeah. I love that. He goes, hey, lady, what yep. are you doing, lady? What are you doing to me, lady? Hey, lady, what are you doing? Yeah. And then the police cars pull up, and he gets he knocks one of the cops right out, gives yeah. him a good punch, yeah, lays one out, and then the other one nails him with the, his nightstick. And um, next thing you know, he's trying to pull the bench with him and trying to go after him and swinging at cops. And um, I believe uh, <laughs> Snow and Cowboy then see him getting put into the police car, gets arrested, and that's a wrap for Ajax. Yes. Ugh. Tough one to lose. Yeah, that's not one you want to lose, but no. And it he took was the, thinking took with the, the wrong head. <laughs> So, um, all right. So what's interesting about that scene is the cop who arrested Ajax was supposed to play the role of Ajax. He auditioned for that role. Yes. Really? Yes. And and Walter Hill said, right. And he said, he's just not the right guy for that, but I'll get you into the film. And he, and he gave him that role. So it's funny that he arrested the person of uh, of that you know that was going to be the role uh, he was supposed to play. Yeah. I think he also that cop also played the cab driver in Home Alone when uh, Macaulay Culkin gets in. No, and he says, "Man, it's scary out there." And he goes, "It ain't much better than here, kid." Yes, I think you're right. Is that him? Yes, and he yes, and he's been in right. other things too. He, he always plays a oh, kind yeah. of a he goofy, always, you know, yeah, or the thug or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's an awkward. Yeah, wow, I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad James Remar played him. Oof. Oh know. yeah, yeah. Hey, oh I'm Ajax. Yeah. Hey kid, how you doing? Okay. All right. So we got Ajax arrested. Cowboy and Snow. Um, now we're um, headed back to try to uh, get to the station. Meanwhile, Swan goes back to the station. He's by himself, and then he finally he runs into Mercy again, and uh, Mercy says that that Fox was grabbed by the cops. So in all these cases. Nobody knows that anybody's dead. Nobody knows that Cleon's dead. Nobody knows yeah. that Fox is dead. Um, you know, and now they know that Ajax has been arrested, or they will know. Um, so, um, and then you've got Swan and Mercy. Now they run into some cops, and then there's a scene where Swan throws the bat at the at the legs of the, of one of the cops, and yeah, um, yeah. and then he takes off running. Okay, so now we cut back to the three that are going to go and party. So they go up to party the on. lair of the Lizzies, the Lizzies' lair. Wow. So uh, set set that up for us. Who wants to take that? Good, Pat. You want it, Polly? Go ahead. I don't like that part. No. <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it just seemed everything was cool. It, it, it it's really weird. It just kind of 
it was weird for me to see that when I first started. I remember thinking to myself, these these chicks aren't straight, man. These <laughs> chicks aren't really straight, are they? <laughs> and you well, find out they're not. I mean, it's yeah, but they're they're there to get them. You know, they're there to get the Warriors. You know, and uh, it was a trap. And the Warriors don't see it coming. You know, especially Rembrandt, poor innocent Rembrandt. Well, the the guys are so concerned on getting some action and having some fun that they're not thinking about anything else. And the girls are playing the part like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we've heard of you guys. You're the Warriors. Yeah, you know, she's they're making it sound like these guys are badasses and, and everything like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, telling them that you can have anyone you want. Which one do you want? Pick a girl and they're yours. And so I, I, I think it's uh, – um, what's his name? Um, Vermin picks the one girl and they go sit on the couch and they start yep. kissing and making out mm-hmm. and um, – Coach East is standing there, and then uh, Rembrandt comes up, and he's like, come on, man, let's get out of here. And he's like, man, what's your problem, man? We just got here. Yeah. Let's have some fun. You know, he's yeah, like, come right. on, cool down, that's man. Right. You yeah. know, and he's like. Uh, but it's funny and, yeah, uh, how Rembrandt kind of gets that inkling, you know. Well, Rembrandt then right. also the starts kinda, seeing, yeah. sees the gun and sees the knife, and they see that they're getting set up to, uh, you know, to so, take them out. Yes, yeah, so let's, uh, let's 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 yeah. slow it down just for a second. Um you know, it's interesting that you said, Pat, where Rembrandt is not feeling... There's a couple of reasons that he's not feeling it, number one, okay? He is actually gay. And so, you know, Rembrandt was cast as really as a homosexual thing, even though they don't say it there. So Rembrandt being uneasy in that apartment is clear because they're all, you know, seeing, you know, guys making out with the girls and he has no interest in that. And then plus he knows he wants to get back and get out of there. So there's that piece. Um, you know, so, so then all of a sudden, you know, you've got, and Paul, you mentioned it, that all of a sudden he sees somebody with the knife and then he goes and, and, and the gun comes out and he goes, they're packed, they're, they're packing, you know, and then it's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you know, chaos. And then it's Cyrus or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And right. They go after the gunshot and wow. And then Rembrandt takes the knife to the arm, and oh my God, it's just all mayhem there. And then yeah. they're just, and then um, they just start whooping butts and they're throwing girls around and <laughs> knocking girls out. And they, they are, oh yeah. my God, yeah. Cochise is rocking people. A mess. That's a huge scene because now they know why. What is happening here? They think that they killed Cyrus. Yep, because I think the one says it, right? Yes. Something like, you killed Cyrus, and they That's go right. to shoot him or kill him. So now yeah. they know that, holy crap, every gang is looking for us now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's wow. a really key part. Three no now. You know, the other ones don't still. But yeah, so now it's like starting to kind of come together, which is kind of cool. And it's really cool, too, because you kind of see, like, you know, um, when they get outside and they get out the door, you know, well, he breaks through the, the glass window door, and they, they take off running. And when they get outside, like, Right away, um, you know, Coach East goes to like take care of Rembrandt's arm and they'll wrap it up and they fix him. And, you know, again, it's just that brotherhood that they have. They're looking out for each other and that kind of thing. And let's get out of here, man. Let's get to the station. You know, we got to get, we got to get home. You know, now they know they really need to get home. (laughs) They got to get out of there. Yeah. I can't believe Rembrandt was gay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That really freaks me out, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Poor little guy. Yeah, he's like yeah. a little, like a little I mouse. He's shy. Mm-hmm. Like a little mouse. He's one of like you know, just like oh, look at that little poor guy. Wow. Yeah, the actor and the and the you know also the um, the role was for that, even though it was not defined. But the actor knew that the, you know that's what his role was. So yeah, amazing. Um, all right. So now you got Swan. 
who's by himself. And mm-hmm. um, and then he walks to the next train station and he sees the roller skating dude. Oh yeah, that's 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 a that's probably my favorite scene of this movie. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, as as the, the fight but that scene. was kind of freaky too. Uh-huh. Uh, he's just kind of rolling and coming down the hill, going down the skate side to side, and yeah. you know he's obviously a really good skater, you know, and he's going down and going down and just kind of following Swan around, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like a like you know like a cat and mouse kind of thing, but just he's just kind of waiting for him. Yeah. It just it's it is kind of eerie a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It is, and the sound of the skates, the sound of the roller mm-hmm. skates. You know, when they'd make that, that turn was what was eerie to me, you know, and just the whole fact, you know, the way the guy skated, he he was an excellent skater, you know, and the way he would turn his body, it's almost like, he's almost like a, almost like he was in a show, the way he would skate, you know, and oh yeah, it was eerie to me. That was eerie. It might've been more eerie than the baseball guys. Yeah. Because it's, it's set in, in in that, the subway station with that with that sound, you know, that kind of echoey kind of sound. Yeah, Echoing. Yeah. Well, if you've ever been in a New York City subway, that's enough. I mean, you know, New York City subway is scary by itself. And um, especially in the evenings. Yeah, I've, I've been in a subway in New York at night and it, it's scary. It's, it's, it is like you're walking, you know, there's not many people in there. It's kind of freaky. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I want to say, since you guys are talking about the skater, little tidbit. Um, the actor that played that role, when he auditioned, Walter Hill asked him, do you skate? And he says, oh yeah, I can skate. He never skated before. So he went ahead and practiced for a few weeks before to get that good for that role. Wow. That's kind of neat, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is, that is cool. That is what people will I do. I thought you were going to say wow. something like this guy was like a professional skater or something. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought you were coming with, but yeah, he was good. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. definitely played the role really well. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Blades of Glory. All right. So at this stage, you've got uh, then Mercy shows up, and uh, she kind of says, "Now there's there's three of three punks there." And so three. They, this is the the group, the punks. When she says to him, she goes, "There's three those guys over there watching you." And he goes over to her and he goes, "Well, great. Now they know that I know that they're watching me, oh. or something like that." He says something like that. <laughs> You know, like yeah, oh, they yeah. tell me right. yeah. now. Now they know that I know. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I love that. Swan says that to her. Yeah. You know, I I completely forgot to play this one clip that I have to play, and I can't believe I forgot. Well, then go back and play it. So Let's go. I'm going to do it right now. When Ajax okay. is fighting the baseball fury, he says one of the greatest lines of all time. And I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. God, I can't believe I forgot that. I love that. It's so it's so Ajax. I know it's so Ajax. Oh I can't God. believe you did either. That's a great one. So good. So uh, so yeah. So now we got the the punks. But what's great is at the same time we've got all the warriors coming back and everybody reunited, together. and it feels so good. <laughs> and and then we've yep. got the big scene where now um, Swan leads them all back to the bathroom. And now we've got the big brawl in the rest in the men's restroom. My favorite yeah. scene. Yeah, and they're hiding I in the love stalls. This fight scene. Oh, it's it's a good one. It oh. took I think it took like five days to film that scene. They said. I I understand wow. it. I get it because it's. I mean, it's really. There's some great parts in that man, like the choreography and stuff to yep. do that. But it must have been really intense because watching it, you're just yeah. like, oh my god, it's such great parts in this, you mm-hmm. know. So really yeah. cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Yeah. Yep. And I love it because I think Rembrandt's in the first stall and then he steps down and you see his feet. 
Right. And then they all start going to the doors and they're waiting there and they open up the doors. Rembrandt sprays them with uh with the warriors, the spray paint, yeah. Yeah. gets yeah. them, then punches the them. Yeah. Then he punches yeah. them. Yeah, and actually yeah, so go, rem- leveled them too, yeah. <laughs> and he punched them and got them really good. Yes, he did. He freaking leveled them, boy, I tell you. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> so finally they they come out of that. They took care of the punks. They well they did and you know there's there's some scenes man when I mean he hits him with the bat and he uh, throws him into the into the mirror I, I mean there's just the sink. oh yeah hits yep. him into the sink and he bounces his head off the wall and cracks oh, him yeah. and and then the famous flip into the door and just crashes the door through man that's just a yeah. that fight scene is intense man it's, it's such a, a yeah you know what it really feels like a like a gang fight too it's like a typical gang yeah. fight you you gotta love that you really do. On the sounds, I mean, when a head hits a sink or a head hits a wall, yeah, there's a certain sound yeah. it makes, and it made everything like and that. Oh, it made those sounds, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. It really did. Whoever did the sound effects on that did it was on point, man. Because right. a head bouncing yeah. off of, like a, a porcelain wall, it, that definitely sounded like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah, heavily choreographed. I mean, they they worked that for a long time. Yeah, it was a big deal that scene. And it's it's the it's yeah. the big it's a big scene for a fight, yeah. The biggest scene in the for movie, fights, really. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. fight wise, yeah. Um, okay, so then we have a cut scene where you go back to the Griffs, and this is pivotal right now because this is where the witness comes and says, "I know who really did it. Who shot the who shot Cyrus?" That's right. Yep. So now they know that the rogues are the ones that did it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now we get the groups all together. They run to the train. They finally get on the train to go back to Coney Island. And uh, this is where we have kind of an, an interesting scene where you've got the prom mm-hmm. couple that comes in. They come in, they sit across from Swan and Mercy. And obviously, yeah. Mercy is dirty and you know not well kept. And you know they've all been fighting and you know surviving through the night. And you've got this, this couple that's all dressed up in their prom dresses and, and, and suits and stuff. And they, they kind of look across. And I think that's a pretty interesting scene because you've got now she looks over, sees these well-dressed people, and she kind of starts to you know clean herself up a little bit, fix her hair. Yeah. And that's where Swan grabs the arm and just puts it down. And uh, it's a it's a key scene, bro. What's your thought on that? I just, I love that part. He's like, you know, she's going to fix herself and he's just like, no, don't, don't, this is who we are. Don't try to be someone differently. Yeah. You know, this is us. Don't try to change yourself to impress them. They're not. They're not us. We're not them. It's like, let it be. And it is. And that's. It's a key part. And and you kind of feel sorry for the people, the prom party too, because they're not trying to make fun of them or anything. They're looking at them. They're just kind of like, like they're nodding their heads, like yeah, okay. And then they just they're uncomfortable, and sure. they don't want them to feel uncomfortable. You know, it's just a it's a, a just a weird situation. And so they kind of look at them with like respect, like okay, we're not here to mess with you guys, and we're going to get off the next stop, and we're going to take off. We'll see. You know, like it's, that's how kind of it is, and and it's just a it's it's a really kind of a um, there, there's some. I- I think they also look at look at her with some pity too. I think there's a that from their perspective a little bit, as well. yeah. But it just yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like a, just a like a reality part of the movie. You know what I mean? It's just like everything has been like them trying to get home yeah. and fighting and stuff, and all of a sudden it's just like this this sentimental kind of part of the show of the movie that just yeah. kind of like okay, they're just they're just people, yeah. man. They're just people. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I took it. I kind of took it like the 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 prom the prom kids. I've never been on the subway before. 
that was like, you know, we're going to go to prom. We're going to take the subway, like for the first time. That's kind of how I vision that. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you said with Swan and stuff. It's like, hey, you're my lady. You know, don't you don't need to make yourself up yep. any better. Yep. You look good. Exactly. So did anybody notice, and this has been on the internet for a while, that one of the girls on there looks like Deborah Weir? Yeah. I don't think it is, though. It's not. Yeah, the it's girl. not. Yeah. It, I mean, I sat there oh, and yeah. I did a double take and then I looked it up online and people have said, oh, yeah, that's her. And But it's not. It, it's a different actress. But it could be her freaking doppelganger. So then we finally get to Coney Island. It's been a long night. It's been a long show and it's been a long night. <laughs> Home of the Cyclone, baby. That's right. The Wonder Wheel. And that's when we see the rogues, the hearse. And the famous, uh, you hear that famous car that, that car is just making that noise, the muffler, and it's kind of, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of following them slowly and um, just going. I know. Oh, I love it. I love that. And it's almost like the Warriors, they were baiting him. Weren't they baiting him to follow sure. him, it seemed like? Because I'm sitting there watching the movie thinking to myself, guys, you could hide easy. You get behind this wall, they won't see you. And this is and and they're home, no. so this is their turf. They know where to go, yeah. you know, So they know where to, what what to do, and um, you know, and and then they're just kind of realize that they're following. And what do they do? They hit that corner and they take off, right? And then they go hide underneath yeah. the, under the dock. I think it was right under the boardwalk or something. Lou? Yep, they go under the boardwalk and then under they go the ahead. boardwalk. Yay! Mm-hmm. And they get some weapons. We'll be able to fly. <laughs> under the boardwalk. <laughs> we'll get some pipes and some sticks <laughs> under the boardwalk. Yes. Boardwalk. So they get under the boardwalk and, the, you know, obviously um, they're home. They're, they feel like they're supposed to be safe. But yet here's his gang on their turf. And they still have another gang they have to deal with. Like, they're not yep. even safe yet. They're yep. not home. They can't even, you know, just be like, relax, you know? Nope. Right. Nope, that's right. Under the boardwalk. <laughs> so so now's the big scene. This is the big, big moment, oh. right? We've got the big moment. We've got the big scene. And um, this is where Swan says, we're going to take him out to the sand. So lure them out okay. there, right? And so now you've got right. warriors and you've got the rogues. Right. And they're all and they all have weapons, right? They've all grabbed weapons. Yep. Pipes and sticks and bottles yep. and all kinds of yep. stuff. So yep, they're all all packed in. And then um Swan has a knife in his back pocket. He does. He, does. he has like on, on his belt or you know, like in his pants. Yeah. Is it on the belt yeah. or the his, pocket? It's behind. Yeah, the I I'm I'm sorry, I meant to say on the yeah. belt, yes, yep. on the back of the belt. Mm-hmm. A okay. switchblade or something of yep. some sort, right. Yeah, so now Swan says, let's go one-on-one. I mean, let's let's do this right. And Luther's like, oh, you're crazy, man. You know? And uh, He crazy, man. Pulls out a gun. And then, of course, you've got Swan, who's brought a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> so, yeah. so then uh, Luther takes the shot. And then, amazingly, Swan steps to his right, takes the switchblade, and then nails him in his wrist. And, and, then, and, then, and then Luther goes... Yeah, yeah, the scream. Oh my god, holding his hand. Yeah. But yeah. if you if you watch the scene, he gets off a shot, and it's yeah. like I think it's Rembrandt behind him. It's like how does nobody get hit because they're all right behind so, him? You know, one one of the members should have got killed. Yeah, there should have been someone dead on that <laughs> scene. Yeah, I'm sorry. See, I forgot that there was a shot fired. I wish it would have been reason. Mercy that would have got it, but that would have been yeah. Mercy me, mercy. 
<laughs> yeah, so um so yeah, so Luther gets the switchblade in his arm. He drops to a knee, yes, screams, and uh Swan then pull I love this, pulls the knife out and then wipes the blood off with with his Luther's hair, which I thought was pretty yeah, good. On yeah. his hair. Yeah. I loved it. And uh and then we've got the big moment, do it, bro. You look over and there's all the riffs on the beach, and Messiah says, Riffs, and everyone goes, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and they come and they surround them. And uh yeah, go ahead, Lou. You take it. Oh, you know, so then you've got uh Messiah says, You warriors, you're good, real good. And then Swan goes, The best. Ah, oh, yeah, love the that. Best. Love that. I know that was badass. Oh my god. That is badass, without a doubt. That just that just showed you how cool Swan was. Ah, they're, yeah. they're just great. And, and and not only that, but it also right? it also showed the respect that Masai had for them that they got through everything that they got through. So you know what, you guys are good. You guys are real good. Like yeah. you got through all my guys and you could you didn't you made it home. And, you know, even though yeah. that you guys did nothing wrong, you guys made it home and here you are. So you guys are good. Yeah. That's right. Respect. Absolutely. That that was huge. And I love that. Yeah. Then all of a sudden he kind of takes his arm and like the parting of the Red Sea, the crowd opens up, the, you know, the group, and then the warriors walk right through and walk out onto the beach. And, uh, and then you've got old Luther just... It's over. No, it wasn't us. It was the Warriors. It wasn't us. No, no. It was the Warriors. No. Perfect. That was that was the end. Thank you. Then the rest elbows. (laughs) (laughs) They beat. I think the rogues were done. They beat the crap out of Luther. Oh my god. Griffs. That's right. That was just so good. And, and that's oh the movie. God. I mean, that is really, it, we went from start to finish on the movie, but it's, um, and we probably don't do it justice, but um, people that have not seen that have to see that movie. Our show um, actually was longer than the actual movie. So um, <laughs> go figure. I <laughs> uh, love that. Love that. So, um, so yeah. So I think uh, there's some really cool things. Well, you know, I was going to say, bro, after after that incident, obviously, with um, the Rifts showing, knowing that the Warriors didn't kill him, the Warriors become an ally of the Rifts and the Rifts of of the Warriors. So they become allies, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So I've got some random little trivia things that I want to throw out there before we close the show, which was kind of some fun stuff. In the original script, Cleon is killed, of course, by the Gramercy Rifts. Cochise was supposed to be killed by the Baseball Furies. Ajax caught by the cops. Vermin is killed by the Lizzies. Uh, Swan gets kidnapped by a, a um, gang called the Dingoes, which I know you love, Dingoes, um, <laughs> which leaves only four warriors making it to the battle with the punks. But Swan ends up being escaping from that and gets there. So that was a little different take on there. The other thing about this That's Dingoes, yeah, this, this Dingoes um, gang is... So bizarre. So this gang was a homosexual gang with a bunch of sadomasochists. So he was supposed to be kidnapped by them. These guys had Dobermans and the whole thing, and they, they wore blonde Jesus. wigs, and that's that was part of it. Yeah, so I'm glad they eliminated that because that was just bizarre. Yeah, that would have been, been disgusting. Yeah. Whole Marilyn Monroe oh, thing. Just bizarre. Um, 
the Baseball Furies were definitely um, modeled after the uh, Walter Hill's love for baseball, and he loved Kiss. And so that's why he did that, which is cool. The Yankees um, and Kiss. Cool. There you go. The park at the beginning of the movie was supposed to be done in the North Bronx, but it was actually filmed in the Manhattan's uh, Upper West Side, Riverside Park. They used real gang members in a lot of the the stuff in that beginning scene. And then they had undercover cops mixed into that to keep everything calm. So there's a lot of different things that happened where rival gangs that were in the area, you know, they wanted to get paid. They wanted to be part of something. One of them actually ended up uh, taking care of the, uh, the trucks. So all the filming trucks, they got paid to, you know, kind of guard those, uh, the gangs. So it, it's really, so they used a lot of gang people in this thing. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, that's, pretty that's cool. really cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Then there was a lot of injuries. So Michael Beck in the um, in the Fury scene actually broke a stuntman's ribs in that. Um, in the subway, when Mercy's running with Fox, she actually fell and broke her wrist. So you'll see that she's gone in the movie for quite a bit of time and then comes back wearing a jacket. And she's wearing a jacket because she has a cast underneath it, which I didn't know oh. that. Um, and of course we talked that, you know, we played it at the beginning of the show, the iconic warriors come out and play. And I guess we didn't really do that justice in the, in the final scene, but, um, that was all improvised. Yes. I heard that. That's crazy. Really? The actor found these bottles and then, and what he did was he came up with it, but he modeled it after someone that used to torment him. So there was a neighbor that used to be really mean to him. And that's that's who he Patrick yeah, Kelly? and that's who he, he kind of modeled that after. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's John. awesome though. Who was it who was that's the a neighbor? Great John backstory. Wayne Gacy? I don't know, man. I tell you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. So so there you go. Wow. You know, there another I don't know if you you didn't say this fun fact, but uh uh, after the movie was um, made to the um, big screen, um, three of the orphans actually found their moms. Isn't that great? Oh, that's nice. Nice heartwarming. That's <laughs> yeah, nice. So, that's no, good. no longer orphans. <laughs> but you see what you get when you mess with the orphans? You see what you get? You that's what you get. That's right. You get your mom back. Oh, that's sweet. That's a nice way <laughs> to wrap nice. that up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought God. so because it's a little dark. <laughs> That's really creepy. Oh my gosh! It wasn't us. It wasn't us. It was the Warriors. It was the Warriors. Yeah, the funny him and uh, Remar, Patrick Kelly have been. In, they were in Forty Eight Hours together too, weren't they? Or, or they, they were. They, yep. Yeah. Yes, so they so were. Walter Very Walter nice. Luther Hill did did Forty Eight Hours, and he was Luther in that movie too. Yeah. That's correct. That's correct. I mean, yeah, Luther. Nice. Very nice. Hey, James Remar. He was badass in Forty Eight Hours. He didn't care about. It. He killed anybody he wanted to. He was Ajax. <laughs> Apparently, he's just doing Ajax. So, anything else, bro? You know what? And then there was another injury where oh. the scene where Michael um, Beck, who you know, plays Swan, swings the bat to when, where he's going to throw it at the cop, he actually ended up clipping Deborah Van Balkenberg in the head. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? That she was, got hit twice. You know she what? Gets... That was too close for comfort. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. It's like, yeah, she was rushed to the hospital and got stitches. She has a scar to this day. And so then if, so if you guys remember, uh, she was gone from the scene for a while. She came back and she had a jacket over her head. Yeah. That's because she, uh, no, no, jacket. Jesus. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh my All God. Right. So I had to go. I don't know what we're doing with any of this. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know either, it's but it's like went, four hours long right now. It went, yeah, so. it went, it went uh, crazy. Yeah. 
All right, so let's uh, let's wrap it up. We invite you to go out and watch it and come out and play. And uh, it's a it's a great movie. It's a cult classic. Uh, we we enjoy it very much. We talked about the Warriors. We we did a lot of in depth about it. So we're gonna leave it at that. We'll let you guys be the judge. Watch the movie, see what you think, and hopefully you enjoy all of this talking we did about the Warriors. And it was a lot of it. So yeah. um, there's a lot to a lot to take in. And uh, hopefully you also enjoyed our theories and our perspectives of what we thought about the movie. So, um, so uh, Pat, we always thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome, Polly. Nearby rules. <laughs> I knew he was going to do that. A mm-hmm. uh, little, uh, little uh, Billy uh, Madison right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So as always, I am DJ Polly, my brother Lou and Pat, and we are the Back in Time Brothers, and we are out of here. See you guys. You warriors are good, real good, the best.